Hello and welcome to In The Circle, an inside look at field hockey in the United States, a podcast that gets you closer to the athletes, staff, club administrators, coaches, umpires and fans of USA Field Hockey. Nice move this. Nice triangle of play. They thread it through here onto the right-hand side. Gonzalez again looks up. Well, it's a good opportunity again here for USA to take the lead and they have. Are you looking for ways to keep playing hockey while social distancing? Follow STX Field Hockey on Instagram for daily suggestions on how to stay in hockey shape despite not being able to get on the field. You can also head to stx.com to subscribe to the STX Field Hockey newsletter where we'll be sending you twice weekly skills and drills, gear reviews, and stories from our team STX athletes. Still get much more here. USA Paul Singh gets the second goal. Number 18, Paul Singh, has got the second goal for USA. Today, I am joined by the Iowa field hockey coaching staff, head coach Lisa Salucci, uh, and assistant coaches Roz Ellis and Michael Bowl. Thank you for joining me today in the circle. Thanks so much, Mark, for having us on. We really appreciate the opportunity. Great to be here, Mark. No, thank you for joining me. How are, how are you guys coping during these crazy times? Doing all right. Uh, a lot of different different things happening each day, a lot of unknowns, but uh, we're moving forward as best we can. That sounds like a good plan to me. Um, if you wouldn't mind diving straight in, I'm really keen to, to find out what makes field hockey such a special sport for you guys. Well, I, I mean, I think you can go a number of routes with describing how special it is. I think one thing that really stands out to me is is the community that surrounds field hockey, not only in the U.S., but also around the world. Um, I think you'll be pretty hard pushed to find a community and a group of people that or to play a sport that you can play from the ages of five to six all the way up to 80 plus, you know, and obviously less so in the U.S., but definitely something that makes it special is that it's with you from an early age and through to later life, or you can pick it up, you know, halfway through like mid, mid age and still be good at the sport. So. No, and it's certainly like you mentioned there about the U.S. not necessarily having the playing opportunities, but there are certainly plenty of other opportunities to stay involved in the sport. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, it's very unique here in the U.S. And, you know, again, if you traveled around the world, you know, the community, the people, everyone's very open and, you know, there's a great following behind the sport. And, you know, I would encourage everybody to try to get out and experience it in a different nation to you know, experience the club culture in Europe or, you know, something like that, that, that would actually give them a different different look and different take on what is already, you know, a, a sport that we all love. Yeah, certainly that club hockey um, sort of ethos, maybe sort of the atmosphere that's creating those European clubs is something I guess is, it seems to be quite aspirational at the moment in, in the US, but hopefully something in the, in the years to come we get to, we get to, to build on. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, all, all, all in good time. I think, uh, you know, the model's slightly different here, obviously, with the collegiate game, etc., which, you know, the collegiate game here arguably is far and away advanced from any other collegiate game in the world. So, you know, you give with one, you take with the other. But definitely, like I said, just uh, a real thing that makes a sport special is just, you know, you can play it from whatever age, really. And I think that's something that really, again, like, you know, Name me, a, name me a sport that you can do that, another sport you can do that with. No, I agree. What about, let's delve into some, some hockey. What about um, favourite drills or exercises that you have? Oh, man. 
I, you know, hearing that question, I more think about our favorite way to design the exercises and games that we create for the team. Um, love how our staff creates things together. We love creating games that have a lot of transition and really give a platform for our kids to problem solve with each other. As we all know, they're the ones on the field that have to solve all those problems. Um, but we do, we put a lot of design into what, then, what things in particular we're trying to achieve. Like if, if it's like creating overloads or defensively cutting two thirds of the pitch. And we just, we love designing exercises and games that are gonna make them critically think, have fun and give them a, the power to adapt to those exercises. No, I agree. And I certainly, I mean, coming up with drills and coaching as a team is, is really important and coming up with those drills and exercises must be an exciting thing to be part of. Yeah. And just seeing the growth of our team over the course of time when we're trying to create, when we're creating problems for them to solve and as we keep implementing them over time and we see them problem solving without us even throwing that into the exercise is it's a cool thing to see evolve. Um, and then they just always get so competitive with it, no matter what. I mean, you put transition into any exercise and boom, it, you've just created the sport, whether it's a 5v5, a 4v3, or you cut the pitch or you, however you shape the game, you, you put transition into it and now they're monsters towards each other and they want to win. That's good. Competition is important. I'm a, I'm a big advocate personally of, uh, of keeping a score and, and having a winner and a loser and recognising that that's, we've got to make certain decisions at certain times based on the situation of the game. And that's yeah, sometimes time. you have to like not let them count for the other team. <laughs> they might not <laughs> think one point should have counted. Uh, but then yeah. also you put that on them to be counting their points and you'll find a whole other level of anxiety and frustration within that too so it all plays a part are there any other teams or organizations that you uh, at Iowa field hockey look to take inspiration from <laughs> um I mean I think for for me personally um you know working with the development team there's a lot of stuff and we have some players that are on the U.S. team that we bring back and share and discuss and Michael, Lisa and I will look at if that fits into our program or not, or if there's a new game that we see and we're like, yeah, let's give it a shot. So definitely it's filtering down from the top there. Um, the, when FIH pro league came out, I mean, we, we upload all those games to courtesy Michael. Thank you. Uploading those to huddle. We look at those games a lot, just how other countries are excelling themselves or what brand they create and how well they hold on to that brand throughout the game. Um, I, for me personally, I love the Chicago Bulls. So I've taken a lot of how they have run their program in the early or late nineties rather. And I've implemented that for myself and just that style of championship mentality. Yeah, certainly that brand. I'm I'm with you on that. Creating a brand or a stamp or a DNA, however you want to term it, of of what you see on the field, I think is is critical. And um, yeah, I mean that's certainly something within the US team we're trying to work through. Much tougher at the moment when we're we're 
ball apart, but trying to create that clear, distinct brand. Like, you know, when you go up against the Dutch, you know what you're going to get. You know, when you go up against the Argentinians, um, you know that it's going to be end-to-end, it's going to be skillful, and you're going to have to defend really well. And I, I think it's really about within the US trying to find where that brand is and, and making sure that we can execute it consistently under pressure. Something that's unique about that too is that every university has their own brand. So you look at like the countries and you can be like, Argentina does this, Holland does this. And if you look across the college game and each has their own little country, everybody has their own brand of how they play. Uh, I don't know, like Lise, any, anytime we come up against a big 10 team, I mean, you've been coaching here for 20 years. <laughs> You're like, they do this, they do this, they do this, they do this. And that must be exciting to, to be part of, to be able to shape and create that type of brand and have that very clear, distinct, this is how we're going to play, this is what we're going to do, um, and try and get the opposition to, to try and stop it. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about sporting heroes? I'm going to direct this to Roz. I think I know the answer already, but sporting heroes growing up. Uh, well, I already referenced the Chicago Bulls and yeah, Michael Jordan was my hero growing up. He still continues to be a sporting legend to me. Of course, I grew up watching him. I wrote letters to him. I write letters to him after watching one of his games. Um, he just, the 98 championship and I loved his no BS attitude, his work rate. I love where he came from. It's all about working hard. It's not about, I have talent. I was given this gift. He earned every skill that he had and he continued to perfect his game, even when he was known as the best. Um, I also just, I really loved watching him play because he never asked for anything either. I think there's a lot of superstars these days that will you know baby a call or expect a call and I loved how just his grit throughout each play and taking his team to championship and how bad he wanted it so yeah definitely a hero for sure. Roz did you ever get any replies from him? Um, they have a really great um, team that would write back I had like a thousand posters that you know he never wrote back but they would always reply to the fan base and you would get a poster and a generic letter and I never thought that he was writing them but my bedroom was covered in Michael Jordan posters from the letters I would write him so you got great, great vintage gear too Roz that you can wear so so shout out shout out to Michael Jordan if you're listening <laughs> Roz needs to reply on one of her 3,000 letters she wrote yeah. to you um what about as a as a group of coaches how do you how do you work what's the dynamic how do you work as a as a threesome you know mark uh, for us it's it's really about communication uh collaboration and just our consistency within it you know i really value our collaboration as a, as a coaching staff um i personally have always operated under the idea that you know to build the strongest team you have to see someone else's strengths as a complement to your weaknesses not a threat and i really think the three of us you know we have a lot of different strengths and they really do complement each other and that gives us a great balance as a staff um lots of different personalities but we worked really hard you know over the past two years together to really become you know more intentional communicators so we can be better at navigating some of those, you know, really crucial conversations that come up when working in a high performance environment like we do. You know, there's times we have to challenge each other um, or you have to make decisions under quite a bit of pressure. So the trust in each other and the way we prepare is really key. 
Um, typically we meet, you know, daily in the mornings to discuss like numerous job responsibilities. And then the main bulk of our meetings is about practice and the plan for the day and the week. So, you know, we come prepared to the meeting having watched film um, and we share ideas and exercises for what we believe will help prepare the team that day and then toss around a ton of suggestions um, and plan the practice together. So, you know, one thing we constantly talk to the team about is just taking care of details. So if we're gonna ask them to do it, you know, then it's imperative we lead by example. Um, so having all the details hammered out for the day and the week is really a big part of our, our daily meetings. But, you know, in the, in the end, you know, each day, like the goal is for the three of us to keep championing the mission that we're on and to work together to move the needle, separate this team and program. And I so appreciate um, and value, you know, Michael and Roz and what they offer to the staff and the way we can kind of toss things around um, and really, really challenge each other. And I think, you know, it was a big, that collaboration was a big key to our success this year. And I think uh, the point that sort of you said there that resonated with me was the, the challenge point. I think that to me, making sure that you have people from a head coach position that, that question, obviously in the right way, but question what's doing because that diversity of thought is important. If you only go, if you're all thinking the same thing, you're only ever going to get one outcome, whereas that challenge provides a much better uh, opportunity for growth. For sure. And that, that challenging happens often in the right way, though, um, every day. And I think that's what is exciting to all of us because, you know, we're learning from each other each day and, and the team is certainly benefiting from that. So it, it's, it's really been an awesome collaboration. And what about the, what's the coaching philosophy that you have at Iowa? Yeah, well, you know, Roz and I are both products of, of Iowa Field Hockey and, you know, had the great privilege of being able to be student athletes in this program in two different eras. Of course, she's much younger than me. Um, <laughs> we're coached by some of the best in the business, you know, former USA national team members and Olympians. And we have a really awesome tradition of excellence. And there's, there's numerous hallmarks about this program that we carried forward. But, you know, one of the hallmarks that rises to the top for our, our staff together is just that we take pride in continuing the development of our players on and off the field. And, and that's what really drives how we coach and our philosophy. So, you know, we really work to create, you know, a daily environment of positive challenges um, that put the student athletes in decision-making situations with the freedom to make choices and take risks. So, you know, as you know, Mark, you know, once the game starts, um, we have very little control <laughs> with what happens out there. So, you know, creating that daily environment of problem solving is key. Um, we really focus on our core values as well. You know, we refer to them as our Iowa compass. You know, they serve as our true north for our program and all the decisions and choices we make revolve around them. So we really believe they're foundational to our sex, success. Um, but I think, you know, when you're striving to build and, and maintain a championship team and culture, you have to have a strong sense of purpose. You have to have clear expectations. Um, you have to take care of the details. Um, and you have to be so consistent in your preparation and communication and really all those things drive our philosophy each day with the team. Oh, certainly sounds impressive. Um, again, the, the problem solving piece, piece is really nice to hear. Um, like you said, when the game, players step on the pitch, the, the coach's influence is pretty limited. Um, so being able to, for the players to be equipped to, to problem solve is, is pretty critical. Um, how do you find that problem-solving piece? Do you get? Do you see them actually happening within games? Are, are, are your players at that stage at the moment? 
What do you guys think? You want to key in on that there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, de I definitely think so. And obviously, as Roz alluded to earlier, just with how we're creating situations in practice, you know, we see it daily. Um, but, you know, we think we are at quite a stage and we, we took a big leap this year of, you know, some of our key members on the field being able to really, really problem solve and get themselves out of, out of situations that, that led to, to key successes and key wins. I think also a big, uh, like a moment where we realized that the, all the training and problem solving has definitely marinated into them was they stopped looking to us for answers. They stopped asking us for the answers to situations and they just recognize that every time the ball move, moves, the picture changes and they're gonna have to problem solve every single time that happens. And there's not a correct answer to things. It's you're on the pitch, you're solving it as you go. And it's about the communication that we've built between them of how they communicate to each other and how they solve those problems. And we started seeing that, of course, on the way up to the game, the days leading up to the game, they're not asking like, what do we do versus this, this, this. They know that they're gonna have to solve that on game day. And that was a shining moment for sure. Yeah, definitely. Echo that. I mean, I think that we all almost ran into the reverse problem of being really good at games, but less good at exercises at times. So <laughs> we'd actually t have just play, you know, 11 v 11 or 10 v 10 or something and be like, wow, like they can do it, you know, transition this or whatever it might be, create the overloads, for example. But in certain situations, we'd be like, wow, like we clearly didn't design the exercise effectively to, to, to get this response in the exercise. So they always keep us on our toes and definitely uh, keep us looking to get better, which is great as well. We like to think in those small moments, it's just embedding inside of their brains. And then when we see it in like the 11 v 11 or 8 v 8 and it comes out, we're like, okay, I guess that did work. Great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it, it's the right way around to be, but rather that way around than the other. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely yeah. had those problems before where the exercises look amazing and then they get in the game and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> What about during these uh, these times? How are you you coping and, and connecting with your players during COVID nineteen and, and this time apart? Yeah, it, it's it certainly has been different, but we're embracing it as best we can. Um, you know, we talked a lot about just sometimes in a crisis, like people tend to fall into a bit of paralysis, and we wanted to make sure as a staff that um, we relate to the team that. You know, we no longer have our spring season. We're not physically together, um, but we still have so many choices, and that we've really been given the gift of time right now. So we get to focus on things that we may not have been able to like give as much attention to in the past. So we, we first and foremost ask the team to try and turn their focus to the things, you know, they can control and look forward to giving attention to those things that maybe have been on the back burner. But for us, you know, the day everything, the day after everything got shut down in the sports world, you know, we had our university spring break and it extended a week longer than normal. So Iowa could transition to online classes, but you know, when we had our first Zoom team meeting after about two weeks, it was so fun to see because everybody who, as they popped up on the screen one after another, was, was so excited to see each other and just connect because we're scattered all over the world right now. Um, but, you know, we real, really what we're talking about, what we're working on, we've, we've talked a lot with the group about how we wanted to build connection as a team during this time. Um, we talked about their worries, what they're wishing for, how they want to be you know, once this is all over, like, how are we going to show up? What's, what's the group going to look like at that time? Um, and, you know, what we've been doing in the last week is just formulating our goals for the summer, for the fall season, um, discussing training suggestions and how they can be creative with their training. 
with what they have available to them at home because it looks really different for a lot of them. Um, and we have a lot planned, you know, for the coming weeks with the group. We'll carry forward our culture building. We've already engaged in the spring. Um, we'll be doing some video analysis and discussion around our principles of play, um, as well as some tactical assignments. And, you know, we, we're excited because we do have a really dialed in and motivated group. So I'm confident we'll stay on course. It's just looking a little bit different right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I've seen it, it's difficult, it's challenging, but with the national team, I've seen an explosion of creativity. Um, this may be the, the sort of the one bonus of this, this crazy situation is that the creativity that's come out and the different sides of players that I just never knew existed. And, and you, as much as you think you know a player as a coach, um, seeing players having this time and this time to be creative has, has really surprised me. And it's, it's, it means that we should look to do more of this type of stuff moving forwards. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've been so impressed with how resourceful some of these players have been, their creativity, and just, you know, how, how much they've already expressed, you know, this time of their gratitude to what they have, they do have here at Iowa and their time together because, you know, now it has been taken away. I mean, I think they were always grateful before, but this, this even just brings it to the forefront even more. So I know they're excited about the opportunity to, to be back together and, and treat that as such a privilege. Let's uh, go back to the on-field stuff. If you could change one rule in the game of hockey, what would it be, Michael? Oh, great question. <laughs> uh, you can't say it, Harry. No, well, yeah, two's bad enough. Um, I'm going to roll, can I roll two in, kind of two into one here? Go I'm for it. Go with, the one thing I would change is I would allow, I would allow scoring in the 25. I would say that creating a bigger space you know, more options, et cetera. And then I would have the penalty corner stop trap outs at the hash marks to give that extra, extra space, both options or both rules, if you will, to create more space for scoring opportunity. I think that one of the areas we struggle with is, you know, and as you see, a lot of goals now are scored within six yards, four yards, whatever, um, you know, so just create more challenge, more space, force defense to now actually have to step out engage higher um yes yeah, so that would be what i'd change this interest in the um uh, it was a Ch rick charlesworth thing he's a hero of mine uh, and he did for the australian uh, they call it the hockey one now but it was the ahl they got rid of penalty corners and they went to the sort of the like a 5v3 from a 25 which is kind of what you're describing yeah exactly and you know i may have may have borrowed that idea somewhat from him but <laughs> definitely uh definitely i think that it's along the right the right lines you know and just with player safety stuff like that i just think it something like that especially in the game in the u.s where you aren't playing on turf at younger ages i think that you know although you know i know people are going to say well they don't develop the skills of penalty corners etc well you know it, let's have them be more creative and develop new skills. You know, what's it, what's a different thing, a different skill to learn if the ball comes in a different area and you have more space, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would change. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible, but I'd like to give it a try. <laughs> Rose. Oh man. Well, I feel like I would lean more towards something that Lisa would say in this. If you're going to, if you're going to extend the scoring opportunity into the, the 25, um, I, I just have joked with these guys. We play sometimes in game, in practices, we play like you can, 
like ice hockey style, you can go behind the goal cage. <laughs> I would just, I would love then for the goal cage to be pushed up off the end line and that you could actually play behind the goal cage. Mm -hmm. Ooh, pure, pure stretch. We have, we have just described two of the worst things for Lisa. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I don't lean into Lisa. No, I'm not a fan of those, but I do concede at times to allow those exercises to happen. <laughs> the rock doesn't explode um i guess i'd say you know if we're gonna be able to off of michael's if you play outside the the 25 you know being a former goalkeeper then let the goalkeeper use her their hands and, and feet outside the outside the circle as well oh yeah i'm fine with that i'm fine with that all right well if that if that's the rule if the goalkeeper can do that then keep the goal cage on the end line and i'll just hop on the goalkeeper i like that get her out there yeah uh, we just came up with our first exercise when we get back yes <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's the any the free hits inside the, the the hashes. It's just so murky. It's so cloudy. I don't like that. And I, I know you guys can't comment, but college overtime does my is crazy for me. From oh, as a as a as a European going like bringing up a totally new game and going seven v seven four, I I it, it blew my mind. Yeah, you. I forgot about that. To be honest, <laughs> please strike that from the game. <laughs> um. Okay, and uh, if you wouldn't mind just telling me what you guys are looking forward to for the, the, the upcoming season. Yeah, you know, I think with everything that's gone on the last couple of weeks, first and foremost, just being able to be together again um, and having the opportunity to train on Grand Field. Uh, we had great momentum from the fall season and into the beginning of our spring, and then everything was halted. So, you know, really getting, getting our group back together and looking forward to have the opportunity to compete and go for another championship. Yeah. I think that's an interesting question because we already spoke about the the gratitude piece but it, it goes both ways our, our team has been expressing so much gratitude to missing being here and I just I love being with our team and it has come I mean you already knew that but like it came into full picture during this time just grinding things out each other challenging each other and just their own personalities they all are so authentic and i miss being around them and i think that's going to be the best thing when we all get to be together again yeah definitely looking forward to that no i couldn't agree more like as much as i've enjoyed this creativity away from the hockey that's not, <laughs> that's not why i'm a hockey coach i'm a i'm a coach because i want to be on the pitch and i'm, I'm yeah Lisa, Michael, Roz, thank you very much for joining me today in the circle. It's been a pleasure to to get a little insight into Iowa field hockey and to and to connect on uh, on a sport we love. Thanks so much, Mark. We Thanks, really Mark. Stay safe. Thanks, Mark. You too. Spread out, create space, five yards. We hear these cues all season when playing field hockey, but we need to remember them even more while social distancing. STX Field Hockey is here to support you as you continue to create space during this time. Follow us at STX Field Hockey on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter at stx.com for daily tips and tricks on how to keep a stick in your hand while social distancing. Looking in a stride here by Gregor. Oh, lovely bit of work here by Gregor. Can she get on the score sheet? Across the goal there from Gregor. Well, it's another solo goal here. Thank you for joining us on In The Circle. Come back next week for another look inside USA Field Hockey.